Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Being persistent and following up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Do not let up on somebody that's interested in selling their home quickly and needs to get rid of it quickly. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you've got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff. With us today, Brent Marino. How you doing, Brent? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. And today, best ever listeners, we're going to get a different perspective from a guest like we usually do. Today, Brent is just starting out. He has done two deals and he's working on two leads on two more deals. So we're going to hear about his first couple deals, 
how that happened. We're going to talk more about the beginning aspects of getting into real estate, obviously, because he's just getting started. A little bit more about Brent. He is the founder at Cash Homes Carolina. His website is appropriately named cashhomescarolina.com. He studied real estate business after a friend was on the show and started posting checks. He studied for two months and he has since, as I mentioned, closed two deals and he's based in Columbia, South Carolina. So with that being said, Brent, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes. Currently, I'm mostly focused on wholesaling. I'm looking for the right deal to actually fix and flip. But like you said, I got started. I actually launched the business in May. I was actually home for about a month or actually not even a month. I was actually home for like a week. And got two deals done in that week's time, which brought me in about 20000 But I didn't have any background. I just saw my friends doing it, and I heard my buddy on the show, Max Maxwell, up in Winston State of North Carolina. And once I saw those checks posted and heard his interview, I was like, i got to dive into the show some more and learn everything I can because this seems really promising. And that's where I got to, so that's where I'm at now. And by show, are you talking about this podcast? Yeah, the best ever show. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yep. I really dove deep and basically I, I drive a lot for my current job. Mm-hmm. So I basically just listen to catch up on all the podcasts that I miss and, and do them over and over and over. So you were listening to this podcast and you heard Max Maxwell being interviewed and you knew him already and you heard that he was making the money or you got introduced to him by listening? No. So I knew Max from several years ago. We both worked in the same field of event marketing And we'd worked a couple events together and just kind of stayed in touch. And I've always kind of kept up with him via social media and what he was doing. And he had posted the link to the show. And I called him up and I was like, hey, man, I want to do what you're doing. This seems really promising. Can you give me some pointers? So I drove up. I met with him for a day and I got some pointers and really took off from there and just kind of buried myself in books and podcasts. And like I said, officially launched in May. Mm. When you met with him, what were some of the pointers? I'm like everyone else. I think that thinks you have to have a lot of money to get started in real estate. And I've always thought that and I've always been interested in real estate, but I always just assume that, well, if you don't have like a hundred grand in the bank, then you're probably not going to really get anywhere. You're not going to be able to find a good deal and put some money into it and make something out of it. I never knew about the wholesaling side and the fact that I could walk in and put a hundred bucks down on a contract and find an investor. So that was really new to me. So uh-huh. it was really exciting to know I could do that. And his point is, was read this book, listen to these podcasts, and once you get some money, set up your website, get your LLC, and go out and drive for dollars. He said that's the best way to get your first deal is drive for dollars. So that's what I did. My first deal actually came from an Uber driver, which is, uh, <laughs> I don't know about a lot of people doing that, but I run an Uber Facebook group in Columbia, South Carolina. So I basically asked the question, hey, would you like to make some extra money, 500 to $1,000 extra a month? Had a bunch of people interested. No one did it, but one girl came through and just was sending me lead after lead after lead after lead of these vacant houses because I'm out on the road. I can't be there. So she's sending me lead after lead, and I'm like, okay, i got to start calling these people. And sure enough, actually, it was the very first person I called. I had to end up calling probably around, I don't know, eight or nine times and having a bunch of different conversations with him. Then it worked out to where I was home, went and saw the property. He just didn't have time to fix it up. It needed about 30 grand worth of work. And I got it for 27000 And then within 24 hours, I had sold it for thirty nine nine. Mm. 
Congratulations. So pretty on good that. deal. I literally laid up in bed all night thinking, what am I going to do if I can't sell this thing? Who am I going to call? Mm-hmm. But I went to a foreclosure auction, and that's how I found my buyers. I was just sitting there, listened, and found the people that were spending the money, found them where they were buying at. And I was like, well, this is a great area. It's five minutes from the University of South Carolina. It's a good spot. And I literally, the first person I called and showed it to took it. So. It worked out great. I didn't expect it to work out so great. You physically went up to the foreclosure auction? Yes, I physically went to the foreclosure auction just to meet buyers. All right. Do you drive a car or truck? I'm guessing truck. I drive a truck, yeah. Yeah, I knew that. I could tell. <laughs> you just pulled up in your truck. You get out. You shut the door. You walk up to the foreclosure auction. What did you do? It was inside of a courtroom. So I just walked in and sat down and I had the list of all the pre-foreclosures or all the houses that were going up for auction and I just sat there and listened because after every sale the buyer has to state the name of their business or their name and I would just write down all their names and then try to introduce myself to as many of them as I could after the auction was over and the ones that I didn't introduce myself I went back and just googled them and found their phone number and added them to my buyers list. I called them and said hey look I'm a wholesaler I'm working on getting some deals in place and what areas are you interested in what's your criteria yada yada and built my buyers list that way bravo that's what i'm talking about that's some resourcefulness take action in an intelligent way did the buyer who ended up buying it meet you in person at the courthouse or was that someone you didn't have a chance to meet and you googled later that was actually somebody to get the chance to meet he was pretty quick even whenever he came to the uh, came to the <laughs> property he just basically was like boom 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 look 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 okay what do you got to have for it and i was like i had it listed i think for like 41 five and I said, I'll take thirty nine nine. He's like, okay, deal. We'll have five grand earnest money, and we'll close in seven days. And I was like, what? Did that just happen? <laughs> oh man, what's he gonna do with it? He actually assigned it for forty five hundred dollars more. So I was like, dang man, I could have got more money. No, 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 that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's good, man. I'm glad you did that. And what the great thing is, is that I have my fiance back at home, and she handles a lot of my closings for me because I'm constantly traveling met with the contract, and then he asked if we had another property. Well, I'd just gotten one under contract, and he actually bought that one too. Same guy? Same guy. Did he assign that one? No, he didn't assign that one. The end buyer for the first house that I bought was the one that was assigned the contract to. He's the one that bought from me that time. He was like, oh. I just wrote a deal for you. I was like, yeah, I could have saved you $4,500. All right, so let's talk about that part of it. Is there any stepping on toes issue? where you're now skipping the guy who helped you make the 10000 or so dollars on the first deal? No, not at all. I talked to them, and they actually had the first right of refusal. On, it was a very big property. It was like a $325,000 property, but it needed about seventy, eighty grand worth of work. It was on a private golf course. I sent it over to them and said, hey, is this of any interest? They went and looked at it, and they're like, ah, it's a little more than what we want to spend on rehab costs, but thanks for the offer. And it just so happened that the next guy in line was good. So I basically sent it over to them first and gave them the first chance to look at it because I enjoyed basically having everything work smoothly and close in less than a week. I told them, I was like, well, if you guys can do that with all my properties that you guys are interested in, I'll just keep sending them to you. Just so I'm on the same page in terms of how you found each of them, you said you got your first deal being an Uber driver. Will you just summarize that for me again because I was trying to follow. I'm not sure if I followed. 
Okay, like I said, I used to drive Uber just because I, whenever home, my fiance's in law school, I'm like, I'll drop you off at school and I'll try to make some money for the car payment just because I don't want to stare at the walls. So I started a Facebook group for everybody to share information on events coming up and stuff like that. And I posted on there about finding a bird dog, basically. Posted on there to find a bird dog. I got one person, like I said, that was really interested and really motivated. And she found my first house. And I gave her $1,000 for finding it. So basically what she does is just drive around, takes pictures of vacant houses, and sends me the addresses. And then I research them. Okay. And you started the Facebook group. What's the Facebook group name? It's Ride Sharing Community of Columbia, South Carolina. It used to be just Uber of Columbia, South Carolina, but now there's Lyft and all that stuff. So I just changed stuff. I'm not very active on there anymore. Obviously, I stopped driving Uber, but... I'm just curious, who joins that? What's that for? Is it just for other Uber drivers who want to stay in touch with each other? It's more of just about, hey, this is what's going on in the area. These concerts are going on or this football game is going on or, like, what's the best areas? What do you think about sitting at the airport? It's not a very huge market as far as, like, a you know a major city would be. So it's a small group of, like, 150 people who are on there who just – kind of share information with each other to help each other out to make a little bit more money on where the events are and stuff like that. So I thought about it as, well, they're Uber drivers. All they do is drive around all day. It's like if you see a vacant house, because now every time I'm driving around, take a picture of it, send it to me. If I close on it, I'll give you a grant. It's a no-brainer for an Uber driver to be a bird dog. That's great. So this is a much deeper and more impressive conversation than I thought we would have because you've done tactics that people – who have done maybe 10, 20 deals would be doing. I mean, you did not this on your first couple deals. I'm really impressed with your approach. You said earlier when you met with the gentleman who's on, on this podcast, Max, he said for you to read a book. What book did he ask you to read? Actually, it wasn't him that suggested I read the book. It was my friend in Mississippi that's doing the same thing. He suggested, he's like, this is the one I started off with, and it was called Flipping Properties. It was like four bucks on Amazon. I think it's the second edition. It's kind of old, but it'll give you a good idea of where to start. So I read that book, and he's like, just come back to me with any questions. So I've shot questions to both my buddy in Mississippi and my buddy Max in Winston-Salem, and they've both been helping me out, and they've both been giving me really good information because Max on top of all the technology side of things, and I'm a bit of a techie, whereas my buddy in Mississippi likes to call it mixology. You can just use your imagination. <laughs> right. Yeah. He tried to say MF in technology, and he just came out <laughs> mythology one day. So we just call it mythology. So I've been trying to help him with his technology side of things, but he's been kind of giving me some old school grassroots tactics on like how to go about finding these deals and finding these buyers and stuff. So both of them have been very helpful to me, and they've been someone I can lean on. And I, I highly suggest to anyone that wants to get started to find somebody that's doing it in your area or even anywhere remotely close to you that you can drive. And we'll spend some time with you because I spent maybe three hours with Max. I probably spent two days with my friend Adam in Mississippi, which is where I'm originally from, just riding around and going to the courthouse and looking at records and going through the computer systems there in the courthouse. And he's got a really good system going down there that he's doing four or five houses a month and he's not using really any technology platforms. He doesn't even have a website and his email address is Hotmail. Oh, at least that's a step up from AOL. (laughs) (laughs) I think it actually might be AOL. Uh, okay, there we go. Now I get Actually, I think it is, I think it is AOL. <laughs> 
the second deal that you closed, remind me, how did you get that one? I found it actually driving for dollars with my buddy from Mississippi. He came up. We actually went up to the NFL draft. I picked him up in Mississippi, stopped off in South Carolina for two days to hang out and look for some properties. And we were just driving around the neighborhood. And I was like, huh, man, this one's going to be. So we jumped out and took a look at it. And I skipped trace the owner. And it was the older lady who was living in a townhome. I couldn't get a hold of her. I tried calling all the numbers I could find. But I found her next of kin. And her next of kin was a son that was a developer in South Carolina. I look him up. I find him on Facebook. Notice we have a mutual friend. I hit the mutual friend up after talking to the guy. And I called him probably. He said he was interested in selling it. And I said, well, I'm out of town right now, but I'd love to take a look at it next week when I get back in town. And uh, he said, okay, it works. Call me when you get back in town. Well, I was only going to be in town for a week. And I called him immediately when I got back in town. No answer. Send him a text message, no answer. Called him the next day, no answer. I was like, well, maybe this guy got the cold feet, but I kept calling and calling and calling. So that's when I went to the Facebook, and I found out we had that mutual friend. So I hit him up, and I said, hey, how well do you know so-and-so? And he was like, well, it's my boss's son-in-law. I was like, oh, really? And I actually had worked with his boss and, and those guys before in the past. And I was like, well, could you tell him I'm trying to get a hold of him? If he doesn't want to sell it, tell him let me know, and I'll, I'll quit bugging him. But I just stayed on his case. And finally, about the day before I had to leave, I went and saw the property, and he wanted 195. I got him down to 175. The house, like I said, is worth like 325. I was really worried because I didn't really get it for the typical 70 minus repairs, minus my fee, and all that jazz. But I knew it was such a great property; it was in a great neighborhood that if somebody wanted to come and put an extra 500 square foot on the property and really dump some money into it, they could increase the value by 100,000 and really, really see some good profits out of it. So I took that chance, and it worked out for me. I was kind of stressing because the first one went so fast. The second one, it took like four days. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty quick turnaround. You said he wanted 195 You got him down to 175 How specifically did you get him down $20,000? <clears> well, my first offer to him was 136 I was going to say 136.5, and then my buddy in Mississippi was like, no, 136. 581 and some change. It makes it seem like you did some calculations. Oh, my okay. gosh. <laughs> I was like, no, I, said, I don't really want to do that. I said, but <laughs> you know what? What do I care? I was like, if I can get it for 150, I'll be happy. So I'll start at 136. And I really think I could get it at 150. So we just went back and forth. And I finally he said it was too low of a number for him that he would just do it himself. But he had already said that he was tired of fighting with his mom about doing the rehab because it was his mother's property. He didn't want to deal with it anymore. He just wanted to offload it and get rid of it. So I said, okay. I said, well, you know what? I finally called him back after we went back and forth a couple of times. He wasn't really budgeting. He went from 195 to 185. I was like, well, I'm at 145 here at that. I said, you know, I just called him and I said, hey, man. I was like, look, I really don't want to beat each other up over prices. I don't want to sit here and go back and forth and waste each other's time. What is the absolute most you have to have for the house? He said, you know what? Since you got the ball rolling and, you know, everything, I, I'll do 175. So, okay, I think I can make that work. Mm. Just persistence, that's all. And what did you assign that for? I assigned that one for 187, I believe. Great stuff. And over what period of time did you get your first two deals done? Both those deals were done within a week and a half of each other. And how long did it take you once you had that first conversation with Max after you listened to him on this podcast to actually get 
the deal done? I want to say Max was on there in February or something, February or March. I can't remember. I really started studying in February, and I want to say it took two months of just studying, and then literally I put everything into action beginning May 1st as soon as I got back home. I think I was home for two days and, and went and looked at some properties, and then I started making all the phone calls on the leads that were coming in because she was just sending me 10 or 12 leads every three or four days, and I was like, this is a lot. I go very deep into the research, so I want to make sure my numbers are right, and I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing. I don't want to make a mistake right off the bat and sink my ship immediately, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I guess I launched everything in the beginning of May, and I did those deals before May 17th. So if you look at two or three weeks when I really got after it to get my first two deals. Based on your experience, starting out right out of the gate quickly with these two deals, what is your best real estate investing advice ever for someone who wants to do what you're doing but hasn't started? I would say find somebody that can answer your questions. Study as much as you possibly can and be persistent. I'm like a shark. If there's blood in the water and I feel like somebody's interested in selling, I will not let up. I will try every means possible to get in touch with you or to get in touch with somebody that knows you and figure out if we can make a deal or not. I'd say persistent in the follow-up. I think that's where most people will probably don't do and maybe they're scared of cold calling somebody but I just really kind of winged it after listening to my buddy on the phone and just kind of going after it you know I was like I'm going to talk to him like I got a million dollars in the bank because that's how I have to be Mm -hmm. so just being persistent and following up follow up follow up follow up do not let up on somebody that's interested in in selling their home quickly and needs to get rid of it quickly Mm. you ready for the best ever lightning round Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com. Best ever book you've read? I would say the one that got me started years ago is one that everyone talks about, obviously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But most recently, one of my favorites is Richest Man in Babylon that I just read and The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F. I haven't heard about that one. Another one I think you'd like is Three Feet from Gold. And Three Feet from Gold? Haven't yeah, heard that one. I think it's a Napoleon Hill Foundation book. Okay. Best ever way you like to give back? I would say right now is that, honestly, I've kind of been talking to a lot of people who I know have the same kind of mentality and drive that I have. I've traveled all over the country. I've met a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends all over the place, but I see them in the same routines that I am, just getting really nowhere. We have great jobs and we have a lot of fun, but there's a point in time where you realize you're not going to get much higher than where you're at. You don't want to always be gone. So I've been giving those people advice and they all seem to be taking it very well. And 
they're all interested in getting started. Where they go with it, and I've answered a lot of people's questions, but I like to give back by trying to at least be that person that Max was to me, even though I'm just starting out, but I feel like I have a fresh perspective on just starting out and helping somebody get off the ground. So that's the way I like to give back. What's a mistake you've made on either of the first two transactions that when presented the same situation on a future transaction, you'll approach differently? I would say a mistake that I really still even think, even though I turned a really good profit on that house, I really still think I should have got it for 150 honestly. It just wasn't in the parameters. The, I, the I second house? People look at it. Yeah, the second house. It just wasn't in the parameters that I felt comfortable with, but I had a gut feeling that I could get it done if I just really busted it and then met somebody and, and, and got it done. Fortunately, it worked out. It was the same person I was selling the first house to, but I had a bunch of people go and look at it, and no one was really throwing me. I mean, I had some offers for like 160 and like 170, and I was like, ah, you know, I can't do that, obviously. And I was like, maybe I have to go renegotiate, but I've already been kind of firm with the guy about I'm not going to beat him up over price. So I really didn't feel like I got that one as low as I should have, but it worked out. I just trusted my gut, but I would say that one really kind of kept me up at night a little bit, thinking, well, how am I going to get this thing done? How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Well, they can email me at my first name, which is Brent, B-R-E-N-T, at cashhomescarolina.com, or give me a ring. I'd love to talk to anybody. I'd love 803-335-5659. Brent, this has been an impressive conversation. The word impressive is the one that comes to mind when I think about what you've done on these two deals because they were not cookie-cutter deals in terms of how you approach getting them. The two next-level strategies that you implemented is one going to the foreclosure auction sitting down in the courtroom listening to each transaction writing down the names of the people who are buying the properties and introducing yourself to as many of them as possible and writing down the names of the others googling them later and then calling them and building your buyers list it's such a smart effective move clearly it was for you because it closed your first deal and then two is you started a Facebook group for other rideshare drivers and you posted about having them take pictures of properties and be a bird dog for you. And one person, she was really active and she ended up finding that property for you. You paid her a thousand bucks, which is a whole bunch of Uber rides that she didn't have to do to make that thousand dollars. She's happy, right? She loved it. Oh, absolutely. Now she's trying to get other Uber drivers to work for her and putting <laughs> the profits. <laughs> I was like, I love it. Oh, I love, I love her drive. I love her. I love the way she goes about it. Like she's oh, a hustle. These are stories that put a smile on my face and it's a beautiful thing to hear. And then lastly, the persistence and follow-up. You said that about seven times in a row and I'm glad that you did. No elaboration needed there. So thanks for being on the show, Brent. Hope you have a best ever day. I'm glad that you got value from a previous guest and you took action on it. I didn't even mention that. And now here you are. So hope you have a best ever day and talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.